0: Everyone, it's your host, Luke West, back with another episode of Imperfect, where we discuss topics of masculinity and manhood more intentionally and purposefully. On this episode,
1: we got Savon Lu
0: and I, we're going to talk about hip hop, school in America, our life mentors, what it means to be an artist, as well as some deeper, more personal things. I really hope you enjoy this episode. You're going to hear a track from Lu on this episode as well. I really hope you stick around to the end and, and listen to it. Here's just a short snippet that will intro the entire episode. Cheers.
1: So I'm with my boy Savon Lu. Rapper,
0: artist. What do you what do you
1: classify yourself as? Yeah, I like to go as an artist. I feel like I do a lot more than just rapping. Uh, I like to sing, I like to do a bunch of other things. So I don't like to just classify myself as, you know, just a rapper. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you said especially in today's day age, like Yeah. So like I feel like Especially with all the big name artists right now, everyone is kind of like dipping into different genres, just taking from whatever, like we just had Post Smoke, you know, rest in peace, <laughs> but he was doing UK stuff and that's like from a whole different continent altogether, you know? And people can come in and do like indie rock and do other stuff like that. So to say you're just a rapper is not really, it's not really the thing right now.
0: Yeah. It's not beneficial to you as a future mm-hmm. artist. And, and of course you get put into a box. But my first question for usually all my guests starting with you actually is if there was one One person, dead or alive, that you would like to have dinner with, who would it be? And what meal would you cook for them?
1: Damn, I can't cook. Um, Damn, could it be Uber Eats? Because I could Uber Eats. Yeah, you
0: can do Uber Eats.
1: I could Uber Eats some sick food. What would I Uber Eats though? Damn. It would be Martin Luther King Jr. The reason being, we went to the same uni, and it was just like, that's the guy they throw in your face. And if I couldn't get Martin Luther King Jr., it would be, what's her name? Casio Cortez, AOC, also went to the same uni. But yeah, just people that I looked up to like when I was there. And then she made her name for herself while I was still in Boston. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. What would I Uber Eats us? If we were in Boston, El Jefe's, you know, shout out to Edward. But if we were here in Toronto, damn, we would go to Bombay Roti. My boys know what that is, but, you know, it's a low-key spot. Yeah, we just hit it sometimes, but yeah, super valid.
0: And uh, I guess, what would you discuss with them?
1: Politics with AOC, for sure. How it feels to be, you know, intersectional feminist coming from the Bronx. She just had a lot, like, on paper that was, like, against her, quote-unquote. But, you know, she's literally the biggest name politician, household name politician right now. And again, I graduated with political science. Mm -hmm. So that's something I definitely, like, I would want to speak about. And for MLK, it's just, how did you get so bold and, like, want to stand up? Because obviously, everyone wanted to stand up At the time for what was going on, everybody was like, you know, this is messed up. Race relations are all, you know, not great. So, how would we fix that? And I think everyone wanted to, but what set him apart? What made him be like, you know what, forget this. I'm going to fix up and I'm going to be the one to lead us Mm -hmm. or push him to do that? That's what I want to know.
0: Have you ever read his uh, autobiography?
1: I never read it, but I like, obviously, like we studied him time and time again. So, I know enough about his life, but I've never read, like, if it's uh, his own autobiography, like he wrote it himself. Um, it's a
0: good question. I don't know, man. Now I wish I, I knew that. Cause I actually have the book. Okay. And I've read halfway through, but it, it talks a lot about his, his call to action, how he got there. A lot of it came from his parents mm-hmm. and recognizing at a young age that he had that kind of potential and, and motivation and realizing that there was no other option for him really. But I really like those two answers. I wasn't expecting expecting those. But what, okay, so I guess what school did you go to now that uh, we're kind of on that path?
1: I went to Boston University. Okay. Great time. Boston's a great city. Have fun. I learned a lot. Definitely became an, an adult in Boston, but... Yeah, Toronto will always be home, though, you mm-hmm. know? And why did you go to Boston? It's just the best school I got into, real talks, yeah. Did you
0: apply to school in the... Uh,
1: yeah, yo, it's actually a funny story. So I never really wanted to go to school in Canada. Like It's just like in the back of my head, I always want to go to the States, always. And I was applying to schools. so I played ball. I wasn't great at ball, you know, but I played ball. And... I used to remember playing in the parking lot at church. Yeah, at church in the <laughs> back, right? Yeah. yeah, on like the nine-foot rims. Yeah, but that was lit, but... So, yeah, I was like looking up schools and still academically, like, you know, great schools, but schools are like I knew from March Madness, like mm-hmm. that's straight up who I was applying to. Or schools that were like, you know, maybe not D1, but still like high academics and maybe I could walk on like a D2 or D3. So I looked at Duke, I got into UVA, I got into GW, which is George Washington. And then I was applying. When you go to apply to the states, there's like a drop down box and you just pick like who you're gonna send your SAT scores to. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember if I had written my SAT. I must have written my SAT. So I was just like, okay, send it. And I was going to go to Boston College. Yeah, that, that, They're a big ball school. Jared Dudley went there. I think Reggie Jackson went there. So I, I had respect for the school, at least in terms of the like talent they produced. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll go there. But I'm applying and my parents are immigrants. My mom sees Boston College and college in Canada is like Seneca, Like Centennial. And my mom's like, why would we invest in you going to college in another country like that? So, like, she thought I was just going to be, like, an electrician or a plumber or something. She's like, why would we do all this money and put all this effort into you to go to college? And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, you don't understand. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she was just like, yeah, what about Boston University? And I'll never forget this moment. 17 years old, in front of my computer at home. I literally looked at my mom and I was like, I don't think that's a real school. Like, I've never heard of it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, I've never yeah. heard of it. But America has so many little, little, little schools that, like, it's there. Mm-hmm. So whatever went down from BC, like, kept going on the drop down and Boston University was there. Never heard, I'd never heard of it. Never seen a picture of it. Never, no researchers was like, oh, the name is there. Clicked it, sent. That was it. I've always wondered what the
0: disconnect of, between terminology of university and college is.
1: I actually, honestly, still have no idea.
0: Yeah. Because it's like here we know it to be trade schools mm-hmm. or typically some sort of like tangible skill. Mm-hmm. And in university, they all say,
1: you know, I went to college. My best four years were at college. I've mm-hmm. never... You no, know, everyone since college. Like even now, like I'll say like my friends from college. Yeah. But we didn't go to like a trade school. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
0: So in regards to kind of your experiences down there, did you feel like it would have been... It was different than what the typical Canadian experience would be? Like,
1: was it any aspect of the the culture or experience, like, different? Absolutely. Like, you're getting thrown into, like, America. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, I was a little waistman. I went on the first day, and I didn't have no hair. I had, like, a buzz cut, and I was I had my basketball. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I went around on the floor, and I was like, uh, hi, I'm JD, and I went up to everyone's door. I'm like, what up, I'm JD, and I made friends with everyone because, again, I was literally the only person I knew in that country. I didn't know nobody, mm-hmm. especially in Boston. I don't know. It was nice. I got to meet people from all over, like Atlanta, New York, Miami. A lot of people came to BU that I just didn't think would come to BU. But it's a really, really good school. Like, it's world-renowned. So mm-hmm. it's not like you're getting nobodies. But I think definitely, like, a turning point for me at that school was when Trump won the election. Like, the entire, the entire process when he got nominated. I remember hearing it. I'm like, that's a joke. Mm-hmm. Then I was with my roommate, Mohammed, So that would have been my sophomore year. And he was like, there's no way. And we like stayed up and watching it. And then he won. I was like, oh, what the hell? Uh, Went to my ex, like my, she was my girl at the time, went to her dorm when he was getting sworn in. And I was like, this is still like not happening. So the first day when he got sworn in, the BUPD like texted us because we give our numbers to the school. And so there's a gas station in between like West Campus and the rest of the campus. And I guess it said like a woman's hijab had been, like, ripped off at the gas station. And apparently, like, a guy had come up in a truck, ripped mm-hmm. it off, and was like, like, get the fuck out of my country. And that was, like, huge for me. Like, I personally, like, again, being a person of color, like, a bearded brown guy mm-hmm. in Boston, you know, it's not exactly the best look, especially with uh, Trump and everything. So, yeah, I didn't leave my dorm that day. I didn't eat that day. I was just, like, petrified because I didn't know, like, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I ended up experiencing a bit more racism my junior year. Senior year, not really. I just, like, kept to myself. Like, I had to shed a lot of weight and just, like, get back. And I was abroad for the first semester. Mm-hmm. But America, in and of itself, is like... It's not, like, what they say it is in the movies, but, like, at the same time, it kind of is, you know? I found that fascinating
0: because, you know, there can be such a disconnect between me being in Canada and mm-hmm. you being in Boston. You hear all these stories and about, you know, hijabs being torn off or about racism. But it's, it's really hard to even imagine that that actually exists sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because even... Like, you know, I'm a, obviously a, a white dude. I don't really face any racism. If mm-hmm. I don't think... I couldn't even tell you a time that I faced racism. Mm-hmm. But, and so you can kind of come unempathetic to the fact that other people face it and you're like, I don't see it. So therefore it's not real. It's, it's a yeah. huge disconnect, right? 100%. So like, I understand, I guess now what... Well, I guess I don't really understand what, what, even how that happens. But like, that's just sad to hear.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, and it's just like, we're there as kids. Like, I still consider myself in not every sense of the word, but most senses of the word, like a kid. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm still learning who I am as a person, what I want to stand for as a person. But it, it's worse, like, I don't know if you watch any soccer. Um, no, soccer, But, like, no. there was this dude that used to be super nice. His name was Mario Balotelli. And I think he's adopted. He was adopted from Africa, but he's Italian. So he played Italian national team, everything. He mm-hmm. played in... When I used to watch the Italian League, it was called Serie A. But now mm-hmm. I think it's called like Calcio, whatever. It doesn't matter. But he is like usually like the darkest guy on the football pitch, and the stories that come off are like insane because people like call him a monkey, throw bananas at him, yeah. And like this is a grown man, like it's like we're like in our early twenties, like he's like now probably like maybe late twenties or thirty, yeah. But people are doing this to like a grown man, you know? Like that's when it's like okay, like this is not just kids being kids, it's not kids just being stupid. You know, because, like, frat boys would do that, and then she's like, oh, like, they're frat boys. Like, who cares? You know, but those frat boys become someone's parents, someone's relative, you know? Yeah. So you just got to be careful, and and you got to start it young. You got to raise people correctly from young. You got to nip it in the bud. Yeah. You can't just let that grow and, and like, fester because then you get, you know? instances like that.
0: When you see experiences like
1: that or you've
0: had ex- racism, do you feel comfortable calling it out yourself or do you have friends that back you up? Like what's kind of your technique towards approaching that?
1: Yeah. So it's very interesting that you brought that up. So my junior year, I was dealing with it. Like I was living with seven like white guys at me and I was cool with them. But one of them just like, he would always like, when you get drunk, like he say some stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm brown, you know, like I'm proudly like a brown dude, but I don't know, he thought I was black, so he would, he uh, call me the N-word, stuff like that, and we almost, you know, like, we almost got physical a couple of times, and I called my parents, mm-hmm. the first people I called, I was like, I called my ex at the time, and she was like, yo, don't fight him, she was in Paris studying abroad, and yeah. so I woke her up, and she was like, don't fight him, I was like, alright, and then I called my parents, and I'm like, yo, like, what do I do, and my parents, again, both immigrants, both brown people, mm-hmm. were like, Like, when they came to this country, like, people called them, like, my dad, he does construction. So, he was like, people call me Paki and, and like, stuff like that. And he's like, you know, you just got to take it. But the thing is, the thing, my vendetta with that is that they came to this country for me to live a better life. You know, like, they came from a third world country. My mom comes from, like, nothing. You know, Mm -hmm. dad, too, like, basically nothing. For me to have the ability to stand up for myself... So if they had to, you know, bow their heads and that was their culture at the time, like, yo, okay, Christianity, turn the other cheek type stuff, you know? But not me. I am first generation. I will stand up for myself because even when when I spoke to them on the phone, like, I was sitting in Boston in, like, a room just like this, Mm -hmm. and I was like, how can I look at, like, my grandkids and my kids? Because racism is going to exist, like, for the rest of my lifetime and probably my descendants, like, my next few uh, generations, you know? But how can I look at my descendants and be like they be like, oh dad, oh grandpa, like when you dealt with racism, how do you handle it? How can I look at them like man to man and be like, just take it? Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I personally I can't do that. Yeah. So again, like my culture, like Asian culture, is a very it's a very like humble culture. It prides itself on humility, which is I guess ironic. Yeah. But personally, like I'm not the one. Like, don't bring that to me. Cause yeah. I will definitely defend myself and defend my people. It's just is what it is. Yeah.
0: I've I've actually realized that recently too, in the sense of when you look at political leaning, a lot of the times what what can tend to happen is that predominantly immigrant communities can actually lean more conservative. Mm -hmm. How it works is your parents might not care about the racism that they face, right? But they care about providing you financially. So they vote in terms of money, but then there's the younger generation who cares a lot more about the social aspect of racism. And so the younger generation will stick up for their parents through voting Democrat mm. and, like, or liberal, I guess, in, in Canada's case. And so I found that very interesting. Now is that the it's really a lot of the young people that are standing up for their parents in that way, kind of like what you just said. So we're doing it, you're doing it through calling it out, you're doing it through maybe your vote, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there there is that, has been that disconnect at least in terms of, you know, maybe immigrant first generation kids coming over and now they're educating their parents a bit more about, you know, we don't have to take this. Mm. We, don't, we don't have to be be seen as a cog in the wheel of, of like the economy or anything like that. Mm. So I've always found that to be very interesting in the, in the political sense. And you see every single time when those, every four years when it comes up, is that That typically tends to be older demographics, even including immigrants, lean towards the blue and then the younger ones lean red. Mm -hmm. Because even in 10 years, what we think is maybe socially accurate or socially acceptable will be like, you know, right from the from the current perspective. But I also think it's really cool that you mentioned MLK at the beginning of the interview as well. Your question was geared towards how did he get so bold? Mm -hmm. And like you're clearly trying to emphasize or, or put into action that own boldness in your life. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool.
1: I feel like I took bullying a lot, like a lot, a lot when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And then I would go home and my parents would be like, you know, don't fight back, don't do this. And then something changed one day for me. So again, I played ball. My grade nine year was my first year of organized, like competitive, like in Canada, we call it rep. It's like mm-hmm. AAU yeah. and the same thing. My first rep year and I was playing a year up. And so all the dudes on my team were grade Ten, except for me and my boy Shaq, and there was this one point guard, bro. He was smaller than me too. I like, I was like five seven at the time, but he was like maybe like five five. But he was like this dark skinned dude. He was good. Like he, mm-hmm. could, he got buckets. But like he would just like bully me. Like we we're on the same team, and I was literally a bench warmer. Like I know I'm bad. Like I know I'm hurting the team. Like I'm only getting played in blowouts, yeah. bro. Like it's my first time. I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like I just was really good at shooting because mm-hmm. I shot on my driveway, shot in the church, stuff like that. But. Yeah, and one time, my dad was watching, and I told my dad after, like, yo, stop watching my games, because, like, I just felt so embarrassed. Yeah. But this guy, like, I inbounded on the ball, and he looked at me, I'll never forget, he looked at me, and he's like, why the hell are you even on the court? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, bro, like, we're getting slapped out by, like, 20 anyways. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I inbounded on the ball, and I didn't say anything, because I thought, like, yo, my dad's watching, like, shit. But then my dad was like, yo, why would you let him talk to you like that? And I was like, what? Like, and then he was like, this is like that Kevin Hart moment where he's like, my mom said, like, you know, shut up or whatever. Like yeah. that one cuss word. My dad was like, Yo, next time he says that, yo, tell me, yo, fuck you. I'm like, oh. I'm like, okay. And I'm grade nines, I'm 14. Like I'm just like, you know, growing up. Yeah. And my, my dad said, I can say, fuck you, like. All right. So next time, same thing. We're getting slapped out. We're a terrible team. We played, we were we were called stingers, but we were under motion. So like there's this team in like in the East End called Motion. I don't even know if they still exist, but Coach Chris, whatever, motion. But yeah, so I'm playing for them, whatever. In on the ball, this guy said the same, somewhere on the same lines, yo, wow. Why, Coach, you been putting you in, bro? You mm-hmm. suck. And I, I, I threw the ball at his chest. I'm like, yo, fuck you. What the fuck you talking to? And after that, like, he was, like, shook. Because I never stood up for myself. And in that moment, again, like, I don't say, like, resort to violence, you know? Don't do that. But as a 14-year-old kid who got bullied, like, a lot growing up and stuff, like, It felt good. You know, no one was ever in my corner. The only people in my corner were my parents. My parents weren't at school. My parents weren't on the court. You know what I mean? And my parents are not going to fight a 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? I am. Not saying I would fight, but, like, I'm the person that has to stand up for myself. And that is what really emboldened me. That moment was, like, a turning point in my life. And after that, I just never really took it from anyone. Like, I would still take it at school a little bit, but uh, I definitely got a lot better. Yeah. And over time, like, that's what made me, I'd say, like, the man I am today. It's just like little moments like that where I was able to call it out. That's what made me confident to call it racism. Stuff like that is just like, eventually you have to stand up for yourself.
0: Yeah. So it's cool that you have like one turning point. You know, I think it's really interesting that don't resort to violence, but you also have to stand up for yourself. You have to like, I don't like the idea that you have to turn the other cheek. I don't like the idea of always being the bigger man. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's times where you have to show people that they're not going to run all over you. And I think that, Sometimes that can happen and you see it's unfortunate when you see people being taken advantage of, but that's how people start getting being taken advantage of Mm -hmm. is by not ever addressing it. And then once you're two years into a relationship or a friendship or two years into getting bullied, it's it's like that much harder to make the step. Mm -hmm. But even like you just said that step was necessary in regards to you earning respect for yourself. Cause then like, I've had the same instance too, where I confronted a, a, a like who's now a, a pretty good friend of mine, or a really good friend of mine. I was just like, dude, I'm, I'm fed up with you saying the shit about me either like it, Cause you're not able to take it back. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm able to take it as long as you're able to take it back. And uh, ever since then we've been like really good friends, but I'll, I'll never forget like that moment. Mm-hmm. But do you think that those instances had an impact On your musical journey or
1: on who you are today in terms of your art? I think so. Maybe in like less like super pertinent ways than Mm. it might have, but I was like a really angry, angry kid, like angry. And it was because, like, you know, all this was just bottled up. My mom would always say, like, stop bottling up your emotions. And it's just something I like always did because, like, how am I gonna get home? And just, like, vent, you know? And sometimes I pick on my siblings. Sometimes I do other, like, little messed up stuff. But, yeah, like, my music and stuff, I listen to a lot of aggressive music. I was super into punk. Which is funny because, like, I actually... I don't know if you remember this, but I played guitar at UAC. I think I did Like, I played it for the youth, like, the youth group. And then I'd play it actually a few times for, like, the main congregation. But I had, like a guitar set, like a little guitar set, you know, you get the whole guitar, you get the strap, you get the uh, amp. Mm -hmm. And amp has one setting, two settings. One is the acoustic setting, which is acoustic, and then the distortion setting. And I loved the distortion setting, like punk, right? Punk rock, just rock in general. I loved it. So I'd get up there and they'd be singing like the super nice like Christian songs and I'd just be playing with the distortion and they hated it. Like they hated it. So like they'd turn me down or whatever, but... Yeah, I don't know. I had that. Like, that definitely influenced the aggression itself probably influenced what I listened to. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of, like, old Eminem, a lot of stuff like that is what I grew up on, a lot of rock, and a lot of, like, like quote-unquote, like, sad boy music. Yeah. A lot of that. But I feel like in terms of the music that I put out, I don't like to put out stuff that I'm not going to be proud of at the end of the day, which maybe is not something that everyone thinks about. Um, I'm not saying you have to think about it, but i want something that will define an era of time for myself but also like leave it i can leave it in the past but still be proud of it does that Mm. make sense like i can be an angsty teenager you know what i mean and look back and be like okay like i was an angsty teenager but you know like that moment led to me being a 20 year old doing this you know yeah i don't want to make music that a could have like a negative impact on society and b like i would just be so not proud of because i invest a lot of time effort and money into this you know yeah so for me to come out and be like here's a video with all these like things that like i thought was cool when i was 16 and now i'm 25 and i'm like what was i thinking like I, i can't i have to think ahead because like I just have to. There's no other way for me to work it. Yeah. Do you think
0: that paralyzes you in a lot of ways, though? Like, because if I think about myself being proud, I'll probably think back to a couple episodes that I've already released and been like, damn, I was a young, immature dude. And Mm -hmm. now I need to. But like, it was a part of my growth stage. So it's like kind of like, like you said, I'll be proud of it. But still, like, that's not who I am anymore. Do I still want that representation of me out there? Like, does that cross your mind? Does it paralyze you in that way?
1: Yes and no. So before we started this, we spoke about My Man. You said you liked the track. My favorite song. Yeah, interesting. So again, I hate the song. And for one reason alone, I didn't want to make music like that at the time. So again, just a quick recap. So I was doing like conscious music, like backpack rap. That's what uh, one of the guys at major music said I was, a backpack rapper. And I was like, okay, I had a couple of demos. I was sending them out to uh, producers and stuff. And one guy, like from my YMCA that I've known since like forever, Mm -hmm. he was like, man, like this is sick, but, like, maybe you should dumb it down. It's too much. And I was like, ah, oh, damn, really, like, dumb it down? He's like, yeah. And I was in the airport on my way to England. So this was all the, this was literally all the material I had. Mm-hmm. And I was going to study abroad for four months. And I didn't know the next time i will be in a studio. So I was like, damn, I might have just shot myself in the foot. This guy's saying dumb it down. No one's really messing with it. Whatever. So I get to England. I link with this guy um, in, like, Walthamstow. And then I make... My mans, because I thought, like, okay, like, I know what a fire beat is. Like, I still listen to fire, like, mm-hmm. lit tracks, you know? So I can I can recognize that. I know, like, the type of pattern, the type of vocals, what you need. Ad-libs. The thing is, ad-libs, that was hard to learn, because, like, that's not something I usually do. Yeah. um It's not, like, like, someone I really, really love listening to is Sampha. And Sanfa like, does ad-libs, but they're so, like, beautiful. Like, they're not, like, the A, like A. Hey, hey. Like, it's not like mm-hmm. that, you know? So I had to learn on the spot, just make it up. And the only reason I even left it up, I actually took it down the first time I posted it. But then I left it up because I wanted people to see, like, okay, like, this is what I did. And I learned, okay? And I learned that I didn't like it. It might, in the future, might paralyze me in the sense where, like, I might not make stuff that I won't be proud of in, like, 10 years. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, that pushes me to work down much harder, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, because anyone can just make, like, a song. Because songs these days, there's, everyone is an artist. Everyone has something to contribute. Everyone has something to say. But what separates you and your music from one of the greats? Because, again, like, if you're in this, personally, I think you're competing with greatness. You're not just competing with your boy on SoundCloud, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's that's how I view it. Like, it's a co- it's a fun competition. It's not just, like, I hate you. Or competing, yeah. But it's, like, Kobe Bryant and MJ. It's, like, I respect you so much, but I want to be so much better than you, you yeah. know? And it's, like, fun. Like, you can chill and have fun, but... I want to compete. And I think it wouldn't paralyze me. I think it would just feel that a little bit more.
0: So when it came to kind of your musical journey, you were making conscious music that was maybe too conscious. Was that like more on the wordsmith side or more on just Mm -hmm. like the poetic side?
1: So I've always been like a poet. I used to win, like, competitions for poetry and stuff. Like, as a little oh, kid, shit. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not that big <laughs> of a deal. No, not <laughs> at all. Like, oh, I love soccer. I love dogs. Like, you know, like, really basic, like, yeah. grade four. But I would, like, win in my class, which I thought to me was, like, cool. And then I just had stuff that I wanted to say, messages, you know? Because music, my mom said this. She didn't say it in the way I'm going to say it, like, with the same connotation. But she was, like... Uh, what you put in is, like, it's going to affect your soul, right? What you listen Mm -hmm. to is going to affect your soul. She said that because I listened to a bunch of, like, angry music and stuff like that, and she was like, this is why you're so angry all the time, which, you know, she was right. But I think it's important for me to put out messages because, you know, it is what affects people's souls, like, Mm -hmm. especially in 2020, man, like, not to get super religious or anything, but, like, 2020 has been a terrible year. Like, you know, like, end times type of year. So... If anyone was to like put out positive messages or any messages, any messages, something just even something to make you feel better. Just Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to have a message. Just feel better about yourself. Like now is the time to make that type of music, you know? Yeah. It's no longer the time to just put out meaningless tracks on meaningless beats that no one will listen to because you have a chance to really impact the entire world. Why not take that, you know? So
0: do you think the current state of of hip hop or art is more impactful like like you just said and more more impacting on the soul or less
1: i think it is i think it is yeah but i think sometimes it's not it's not just messages like i've studied so much music just like to learn and also just like i like it Mm -hmm. but energy like energy and like vibes i know that's such like a cop-out word like oh vibes and stuff like that but the vibe that music can create like it can turn an atmosphere like this like we're in a library right now and like if you played like one track that I've been playing all day today because my boy was bumping it all day last night was a uh, "Spooky" by Jay Critch. Like that track has energy. Like I don't know why. Like I don't know why. Like yeah. it's just such a hard track. He's on like an act, the uh, UK drill. We were talking about that. Yeah, he's on a drill beat. Um, from Axel's a producer, who's a guy that did Drake's War. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, like Yo, a certified... Drake's War is the worst song. You don't like it? I hate it. Why?
0: When Drake raps with a British accent, I I can't stand it.
1: I don't even think he raps with a British accent well, then though. Well, it's
0: just a bad song.
1: Damn, I actually love that song. Really? Yeah. I think it's one
0: of my least favorite songs.
1: Do you listen to uh, Do you listen to UK music at all, or uh, just Stormzy? Just Stormzy. Yeah, I think so. I, I
0: man, I don't really listen to much music. Really? No. If I'm on the train uh, commuting, it's reading. Sometimes if I'm walking, it's more podcasts. But I okay. listen to like the same songs over and over again. Really? Yeah. I'm not very musically diverse. I could. It's unfortunate. I could probably
1: like do without some music. Wow. Yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone goes through that. I was like that at one point, but I feel like it's just like, I've been living life without headphones for the last two and a half weeks because I left it with uh, Dre. Mm -hmm. Um, He's like, he's my boy and I just left it and I haven't gotten them back yet. But walking in silence just sucks. Like it just, like, just sucks. Like I need music. I like it. I hate it. When I'm
0: listening to music, sometimes I just don't see the world around me. And then, which is going to be nice, Mm -hmm. but other times it's like, I really want to, I'm trying to be more aware of my surroundings Mm -hmm. and just like take, take it in. I'm trying like, I've, I've recently put more limitations on my phone in terms of access to like social, like I put limits on like an hour and a half every day for all my social media apps Mm
2: -hmm.
0: as a collective, because I'm just getting caught up in kind of like the unnecessary. And I think music could be a, a great thing for making you aware but for me it's just been i'm listening to the same music over and over again i'd rather read on the train and like get something out of it and learn a bit more Mm -hmm. if i'm listening to stuff i like listening to podcasts a bit more now that you know just even for creative ideas for myself but i also will acknowledge that i don't put enough work in to find music that i enjoy
1: that's fair but you don't have anyone that like sends you music like no like like for my boys for example my boys we've been talking about like, the general conversation surrounding music for us has been what has to go into a song to make the type of song that you want to share. All the stuff that I have out right now is, like, good, but it's only good and has only gotten the little, like, the few, few views that it has because I've told people, can you listen to it? And they're like, oh, this is actually not bad. Let me send it to someone else. And so music is shared because it goes from you to your friends to their friends to, like, the next circle Mm -hmm. of friends. And if it goes viral, if it blows, it that... Like, um, pattern will never stop, right? It'll keep going. Friends, 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 et cetera. I don't know. I don't really have anyone I share music with. Really? Yeah. There's never something where you're like, this is sick. Like, I know so-and-so would love this.
0: I, I share it my mans with some people.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay, but why is that? Is that because you knew me or you liked the track? I like the track. So there you go. Yeah. So has no one ever been like, yo, Luke, like, this is a sick track. Like, take it in.
0: We don't really do that. No. Me, no, and, my, me and my friends, I don't really have like a, a group of friends that, uh, if I can think about it, there was a one person I was, like a year ago I was sharing music with and I found out a few, like a few new artists, like more R&B artists through mm-hmm. through that conversation.
1: But since then, there's no one I've been like, yo, check out this new dope song. Interesting. I think with social media And the effect that it's had on society in the sense where it's like, we want everything now. Like, momentous. Like, I want it now, and then I want a new thing right after. There's just so much music being pumped out that it's hard to keep up. Yeah, I don't have streaming service right now. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't. I just can't justify the few dollars, like, a month, whatever, 8, 10, whatever it is, I can't justify because I need that money. Like, you know, I, I live solo, like... I pay everything, like yeah. I pay for the studio. You feel me? So I need that few dollars to like that'll make the difference. I could be, I could add up a few months of that streaming service could add up to a studio session. Yeah, you know, like 40, 40 bucks in, in is an hour in mm-hmm. the studio. So that's one hour that I just bought myself by not having Spotify or whatever. But you I can find be, a lot of music on YouTube. Exactly. And so and YouTube is free. And like if I have to watch like whatever now they do two ads back to back, which is just ludicrous. Like yeah. I think that's insane ad blocker on your on your uh you can get that on your phone oh true no oh no, i don't know no, maybe not maybe not yeah <laughs> nah but yeah you can like skip them after like five seconds or whatever but still like i just watch i just listen rather to all the music off youtube yeah i'm mean, free like and just something that i didn't get to touch on while you were speaking was i listen to music i feel like it adds to like my day like even now like we're just looking out and it's mm-hmm. just like this architecture and All these people are just, like, sitting and super invested. Nobody's having a conversation. Not a single conversation is happening right now. But everyone is just super invested in learning and stuff. Like, I feel like maybe not, like, a turn-up track, you Mm -hmm. know? But there could be, like, a song that would fit the vibe, fit the mood, you know? Mm. It would add to it. I feel like music can always add to a setting.
2: I you like, know, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say,
1: it also detracts if I think you put the wrong track on, or you know, like if your boy's on the ox and he puts a bad track, you you take him off the ox. Yeah. But for the most part, I feel like it adds. And I feel like that's like the best type of music out there, like something that you can add to enhance your living experience, your overall living experience. Like mm-hmm. we can all go to the club. You've been to clubs, obviously. Yeah, yeah. We can all go to the club, but the club without music is probably terrible. Oh, 100%. Yeah.
0: It's like, you've ever seen a signed disco?
1: I've seen it in, like, TV.
0: Yeah. Like, like I've been to a silent disco oh, where, yeah. you're like, where you're all listening to, like, different music or even the same music. Okay. But to someone outside that experience, it looks like a bunch of idiots.
1: Yeah, exactly. And But imagine, like, without music, there would be no dancing. Mm-hmm. There would be no atmosphere. Like, the ambiance would be dead. Restaurants create their little ambiance of, like, maybe classical music. Like, everywhere has music. Even movies. I was thinking about movies when mm-hmm. you said it.
0: Like, movies have soundtrack. Even if it's not any lyrics or anything like that, it's like a mood shifter. Mm-hmm.
1: And, like, it, it's used, to, like, to draw emphasis, you mm-hmm. know? Like, we're putting on, like, spooky tracks because, like, this is a scary scene, you know? I think music will always add. I, I can't see why it would detract unless it's the wrong song or, like, a bad song. But I think it adds just to life.
0: Yeah. And, like, when I listen to music, it's normally, like, happy, like... Bouncier songs Like mm. if I If I'm like in a bad mood I throw on uh, Chance the Rapper Childish Gambino's uh, Favorite song That's a good one That's a good bop For me to go to Ooh Is that the one where it's like All you need to whistle Is it that one Um this shit my favorite song oh yeah that no, 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 i think, I that, think that that. that's the other challenge yeah, yeah they, they have like together. a few collabs yeah i think that one's on uh, one of uh childish albums this mm. one's on uh, acid rap i also listened to, there's some Tory lane songs that uh get me in a mood some anderson pox songs that get me in a mood interesting like i like listening to to happy music because i think like like you said it's soul in right like yeah you gotta pump up I use it to if I'm having a bad morning or a rough morning if I'm going into work I'm like and I'll dance like I'm not even joking like I'll move on the TTC. like mm. when I want like the music I like music that moves me like that is the type of music I listen to mm. but I don't explore enough mm-hmm. outside of the realm of music I already have to find new songs that move me because it's like maybe one in six songs are are worth it mm. and then. Like kind of like you said with streaming services, I feel like I wasted fifteen minutes of my time trying to find one song, mm-hmm. rather than like you said, I don't waste nine dollars on Spotify a month. I don't want to waste that time. Yeah, I like I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't try new Netflix shows. Oh really? No, unless like like I'll watch Friends like three times, like,
1: like really? Office five times. I'm, I'm not on gonna suits lie. Again. I like, hate Friends. I, Friends is overrated to me. Okay. Yeah, I just don't worry, don't worry. A lot of my boys would be like, "How do you hate Friends?" Like I love The Office. Like that dry comedy is yeah. hilarious, but I just never got Friends. Have you ever seen the vid where they removed the laugh track from Friends? Like the background like that. Ha, ha ha. That so when they take that out and you just like watch it, it's just weird. Like it's just well, it'd be like the club without music, right? There you go. <laughs> no, literally it's just so I don't know. Personally, I don't I just don't see it, but I heard they're doing a, they're gonna like reboot it or something.
0: I don't know. I saw something go yeah, viral on Instagram know. the other day. I don't really, it didn't really
1: blow my mind too much. They've like, been saying that for years. Yeah, but if, like if Steve Carell was to be like, we're gonna do The Office again, then I might like you know actually lose my mind because that's a great show. But he said that it's not fitting for the times with like yeah. the humor that they use. Like, the
0: humor would be too inappropriate. now. Oh no the humor the humor is not appropriate no
1: super inappropriate but that's what makes it so funny like i think that like that show will get better yeah as time passes like because if you show that to your kids like that'll be stuff like you wouldn't even dream of saying out loud in in that society but it'll be like because it'll be so taboo at that point yeah yeah. but nah so in terms of your favorite artists
0: now who are they you said j cole earlier are you so i
1: started out like j cole so this is what i've been told i sounded like so i Spoke on topics like J Cole. I was told that I sounded like Nipsey Hussle when I started. Um, pretty good compliment. Which is yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty hard. I, I don't know. Like I've switched so much. Not that like that's an insult to Nipsey Hussle. Again, yeah. like I found Nipsey Hussle through this guy Kimmy at my high school, and he was a tree and I think he was Habaish. I think, but he would show me this track called Rose Clique in like grade nine, and he's like, "Yo, Jeremy, this is hard." And I was like, "All right, Kimmy." And I like, I think I like didn't listen to it for like a few months, came back to it and I was like, damn, this is actually hard. Mm -hmm. And then he had this mixtape. It was like his newest one at the time. I was like 14 or 15 and it was called Crenshaw. I think it's like a red cover and he's like crossing his arms and that one is just so hard. Like every single track on that is certified, in my opinion. He had this track, Drop Coops on it. That was my favorite track off the whole thing. Just because again, energy at 15, like you have nothing but energy and you have no way to like really like disperse that energy no way to really like give it mm-hmm. off you know but in music and stuff it's like it's like it's in your head and that was like the best thing for me but anyway sorry so nipsey hustle j cole i don't know people i study like i can tell you people i've studied i can tell you that i've studied Sanfa 100 like his vocals are insane the weekend insane vocals obviously drake like hands down that's why when you said the thing about like you didn't like war i was like bro like i also don't like passion
0: fruit Really, Passion Fruit is my least favorite. Like another least favorite song by him.
1: Okay, can I ask why?
0: Uh, I hate the beat. Really, like it's melodic and stuff.
1: But you know, like that's him experimenting with another genre.
0: Yeah, I'm not about it. You just don't like it. Yeah, Passionfruit. Like you I, don't like
1: that genre, or you don't like what he did on that beat.
0: Uh, I just don't like what he did on that beat. I think the I think the the vocals are corny.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, I'm not saying this for Passionfruit because I fully disagree with what you just said not you know but yeah. i just disagree but a lot of the time like there's guys that i've studied or like been to their concerts and they sing like just straight tracks for like for shorties and i just don't think you can really not sound corny when you're writing love songs like it's really hard like girl i love you like okay I marvin's can't.
0: room though is a is a forever bop
1: yeah that's a banger yeah like, that's a classic that's a classic but like how many people are even capable of writing marvin's room you know on on in yeah, today's yeah. day and age, especially with like how everything like cause now Drake, as much as like we think of him as like around our age, like he has eleven years on me. Mm-hmm. He's eleven years older than me. So we're Yeah, it's not too much. Not too much, but we wouldn't have never been in school at the same no, time. Yeah. Like he would have been finishing high school. I would have been like starting elementary or yeah, know, true, something true. like that. Yeah, there's just like a difference in time and like the difference in like the media, like what you watch, what you grew up on, you know? So I think that. It's just like who is really capable of even doing something like Marvin Marvin's Room like nowadays mm-hmm. something that will stand like the test of time like I don't know.
0: No, I, I definitely respect Drake as an artist. My favorite songs by him are the ones that are like undervalued valued in like most places like Diplomatic Community. Oh, okay, um, so you, like his bars, yeah, like, you not bar bar. Okay, Oh uh, yeah. I thought that, okay. I thought that was way better than Money in the Grave. Really? Yeah, like I'm... not from a not from a replay value perspective, but from, just from like you know a man working on his craft mm-hmm. in terms of words i think drake is an amazing wordsmith when mm-hmm. he when he wants to and that's the music i like from him i even though even though people say his like his flow is repetitive and his beats are kind of like not the most intense on on those ones where he just spits mm-hmm. those will always be my favorite tracks by him
1: i think Tuscan Leather. Tuscan Leather is a classic. Yeah. The, yeah. That one's Paris actually... Paris Morton or whatever. Yeah. Paris Morton music. cake. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that one. Those are all beautiful, in my opinion. So 40, that's his guy, 40. And that dude, I have to meet him one day. Like, I just have to just shake that man's hand and be like, please, like, whatever you're willing did to Did Pusha go me. too far?
0: Pardon? Did Pusha go too
1: far? Absolutely. Bro, like, I don't even want to speak on that, to be honest, because, like, I just don't respect, like, what he did in that. Like, I think th- there's, like, always things that you can say and, like, you can't say. And I think, like, like, what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I say something, I say something for a purpose. I say something for a reason. And, like, I just don't, I can't fathom why he did that, you know? But, again, it's not my place to say, like, why he did. Like, yeah. I don't care, you know? Like, Pusha T can do what he wants. And, like, I don't care. But I just think that was, like, unnecessary. And, again, like, the things that I've watched Forty say on, like, the few, few interviews that he gives and, like, the few, few, like, lines that he's put out in, like, the world, like, He is intelligent. Oh, yeah. He's so intelligent. And so, I don't know if that's his style, but, like, how they'll flip vocal samples. I actually found Sanfa through a Drake track Mm -hmm. and then, like, studied him off, like, his vocals on its own. But the way that 40, like, flips vocals is just nuts. And I think that, like, the tracks that you pointed out, like, Tuscan Leather, Pound Cake, Do Not Disturb, all those are vocal samples that have been chopped, screwed, whatever, and... I feel like that makes the beat just that much more open. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the correct musical term, but just open enough where you can just talk about literally like whatever you want. Mm -hmm. I think uh, being able to rap on a beat that honestly is just like made for storytelling is like a gift and not everyone can do it. Because not everyone has lived enough life to tell me what like I want to hear or what like I can even deem like valuable, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Yeah, no, I, I respect, like, I love it when artists rap over vocaled beats. Mm-hmm. I forget which one it is. in. Uh, there was The mixtape he just dropped of all of his old singles and oh, stuff. Oh, the Care Package? Care Package. What's yeah. the first one on that? Oh, uh, I don't know the order of it. I forget, but there's a, I can't remember the name right now, mm-hmm. but um, like the intro to that song is just so, it's one of my favorite intros to a Drake song where it just like slowly comes up. And it's just, like, vocal. And then if you look it up.
1: Let's see. Oh, Dreams Money Can Buy. Dreams Money Can Buy. Oh, my God. That
0: beat from Drake is one of my favorite
1: beats. Yeah. Like, that one's just smooth. I think, like, I'd heard it and forgotten about it. Like, Drake has, like, a plethora of music, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Like,
1: what hasn't the man done? Yeah. You know? And again, I fully respect it. But Dreams Money Can Buy, my boy in Boston, Preet. Oh, we would, like, just chill. Because he lived off campus, him and Neil. And all, all three of us would chill and put on these tracks. Like, we'd be, you know what Hookah is? Yeah. Yeah, they had Hookah in their crib. So we would just be, like, puffing Hookah. And, yeah, they play that track. And then all of a sudden, like, that was our track. Like, Dreams Money Can Buy. Just so beautiful. So you know beautiful. I mean? And that is, like, what I aspire to do one day, you know? But right now, it's about it's about attention, right? Social mm-hmm. media. I just, like, I need your attention. I need it on me. I don't think you can blow the way I'd like to just with, like, beautiful music. It's in the plans. Like, I already have written it. Like, I'm going to the studio in, like, two weeks to start recording for an EP. The EP is what I plan to be, like, more beautiful. But the singles are just, like, fire, fire, fire. Yeah. You know? I think that's the best way to go about it. Yeah.
0: I agree. So when you... We kind of talked about... But a, a bit earlier about uh, the development of seemingly more emotional music, especially in hip hop. It seems you know a, a lot of people credit Drake with pouring out your feelings into a into a rap song. Mm. You know, you had Little Peep, you have XXX. These guys who mm. I didn't like them as like I didn't enjoy their music like, really at all. Really, like I enjoyed a little bit of X. I enjoyed Juice World a lot more. Okay, but. What do you, where do you think that emotional emo, quote unquote, rap came from? And and like, is that what you mean when music became more emotional?
1: Damn, you have to remind me where I said it was emotional. I don't remember. I forget, but it was
0: talking about, you were talking about like the input of quality of music and how you thought the, I think the, the generation of music that we're in right now, there's a lot more consciousness of putting out value. And I think that's when you were talking about a bit more emotional. Oh, somber oh music. yeah.
1: unless I misunderstood the context. I think I meant to say like, it's more like there's so much music, but how much of it do I value? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't, I don't know how much of it I value. Cause like there can be, there can be an artist that I don't listen to at all. And then he can come out with just like heat
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I have to focus on him. I have to pay attention, you know, cause that's just amazing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But in terms of what you asked, so emotional stuff. So I grew up, again, I grew up listening to everything gospel uh, life 100.3 my mom only plays that in the crib and it's just straight christian music mm-hmm. and um i hated it but you know like i would have that and then when i got an ipod i remember my mom was like so against it because she's like oh you could hide music you could hide it and like i don't know what you're listening to and i was like yeah good but i listened to like everything like i had like at my like most insane like intense like rock stuff like there was like some screamo on there for sure but like punk regular rock some EDM, rap, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, I was listening to everything. And I think that's what brought, like, that diversity, like, that ability to listen to so many different things and appreciate so many different things is the same thing that, like, led to artists like Peep, X, mm-hmm. Juice, especially Juice. Cause, like, Juice would listen to guys that, like, he said now that, like, I've 100% also listened to. Like, there are guys from Canada even that do, I guess they're called pop punk. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the genre. And, uh, what's their name blink 182 oh yeah yeah Yeah, they're from ajax i don't know if you knew that knew um that. yeah or,
0: i think i knew they were canadian
1: but yeah i rate ajax anyways yeah i think if you have those type of influences that's what i was looking for influences that's what led to more emotion because like in and of itself each genre genre like represents like a different ideology i'd even mm-hmm. say but once you start combining it which is where we're at now once you start combining it it like becomes a whole new world mm-hmm. you know like i don't speak spanish at all not at all like i can understand like here and there yeah but i love like bad bunny i just think he's insane like the things like how he like how he flows on beats like the melodies he chooses his cadence like i think it's nuts do i know what he saying not always yeah but i think it's nuts like he did a. have you heard the track by party next door and drake called loyal yeah he did a remix so it's just like them two plus bad bunny mm-hmm and I just think it's nuts. Like, it's just absolutely insane. But that's me, like, trying to, like, diversify my listening portfolio. But I think other people diversifying their own listening portfolio is what led to, like, more emotion and more depth into genres.
0: Yeah. That's interesting that you you think about it as a combination of ideologies. I think, you know, some of the traditional artists got mad at the mixing of genres at the beginning of, of it all. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think there has been a creative... It's kind of like people think it minimizes the whole genre or like that's what it felt mm. like in hip hop. But no, I think that that combination is a really good way of of putting it together. And, you know, you see people starting to care less about, okay, well, I guess image is still very important, especially in hip hop, but they seem to care less mm-hmm. about uh, the judgment that they may have and they just want to create art. And like that's much mm-hmm. more about the creation process because man like i used to listen to eminem all the time too and then you listen to his like three latest records and you're like okay i get it you're just spitting bars but like where actually are the melodies where is the where's the deeper sonic experience mm. in this man like you've had seven years to catch up to to what's going on and you're still singing terrible hooks like what are you doing
1: damn okay i don't know if you could diss M like that like again like living legend Okay, he's a little, oh, I
0: respect him, but living some, of his, some of his hooks are just like, get a singer.
1: I don't think his hooks are that bad. I think it's not like the replay value that you're trying to like look for yeah. in a hook, you know what I mean? I don't think he might have fully attained that, but I think that you can't fault an artist for trying well you saw that. He had a track with what? Uh juice, no? Godzilla? Yeah. I think. Again, I don't have a streaming service, so I haven't listened to a lot a lot of new music i mean toronto itself is just such a diverse city like you're bound to get some characters you know yeah but you have to embrace the city for all it is you know like everything like every single person every single thing that people have brought to the city like it just adds to like the culture which i feel like is such a thrown around term yeah. these days like the culture
0: so in your journey to become an artist do you feel like there's pressure to be part of quote-unquote like that culture like a lot of these Big artists come from violent communities or violent places, and like that's a part of their experience, uh, and you can get called out within especially hip-hop, R&B, if, if you're not from that kind of community. Do you feel pressure to be part of that culture or, or make yourself part of that?
1: I definitely felt that when I was younger. Not currently. Not at all currently, but when I was younger, it was just like I grew up with guys that, you know, we were doing they had different Hobbies than myself and i was like i just thought what they were doing was like super cool like again like being a little kid you know immature not really knowing much about the world i just thought like i rated it like what they did Mm -hmm. and uh like i felt like not peer pressure because no one was like like jeremy you do it too and again like i grew up in church like we literally met at Mm -hmm. church and stuff but i always felt like the odd one out because i'd like go to church and like at church i was like a little too gritty and then I'd chill with like some of my other friends and like I was like super soft so I was like what am I doing you know like I gotta stop being on the fence here Mm -hmm. but yeah no I don't think so I feel like especially if you're personally I want to I want to be like a game changer like Mm -hmm. I want to change up how people perceive things and like just raise the bar whatever the bar is whatever level I want to raise it to like I want to bring about change and so to bring about change I feel like you can't lock yourself in to like pressures or or even self-imposed pressures because no one pressured me to be like a bad kid or mm. like not saying let me rephrase that not being a bad kid but just like to do things that i thought were cool at the time but like society views is bad nobody pressured me to do any of that you know i did it you know it's mm-hmm. my fault but at the same time like i don't think it affects like my art like what i talk about because i just want to talk about it you know yeah
0: do you think there's an issue in the city in terms of trying to create that, that culture. Like if you look on six buzz and like those kind of outlets, Mm. you can see these guys that are young artists trying to promote a violent image. There's been a a rise of violence in the city. You know, some, some Toronto artists have died Mm -hmm. um, that have been involved in the, in the rap industry. Do you see, do you see it as a problem? Maybe not within yourself, but within, The Toronto culture or or hip hop as a whole.
1: Okay, before we like fully touch on that, like art is art, right? Mm -hmm. And art is subjective. Like your art as Luke is going to be different than Jeremy's art, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's just is what it is because of how you were raised, what you grew up with, what you valued, you know, what you saw around you. Mm -hmm. And so, who said this in an interview? I think LD. LD, in case you don't know, is a drill rapper from the UK. I love his stuff, but he was like, "Yo, man, like this is our reality. You know, this is our reality, and this is what we want." to talk about in our art. And it's just to shed light on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best way you can phrase it. It's like people just shedding light on their lives. Again, like it's an in into someone else's reality because without music like that or art or entertainment, whatever, like there are people on this planet that just wouldn't know that exists, mm-hmm. you know? And as people, especially in today's day and age with like technology and like, we can like, we're, we just spoke about a rapper from the UK. Mm-hmm. You know, like that wouldn't have happened like, for, like 30, 40 years ago, you know? hmm I think it's important to be able to like reflect on life and like things that happen around you. Now, at the same time, I think that media outlets in Toronto sometimes might, you know, shed a positive on something that might be a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could be done better sometimes. But again, that's my personal critique. Yeah. Do I think they should change anything? You know, maybe. But I'm not Six Buzz. I'm not. I'm not saying it was Six Buzz, but I'm not whoever wave room or whoever because like yeah. when i was younger like again i keep saying when i was younger like 14 15 like i followed like fight pages and i would mm-hmm. watch like you know crazy stuff like that but like now like as an adult like you see you know the negative effects that has
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like also like those are kids like in the videos like that are they're fighting and stuff it's not cool i think that toronto could do a lot better and i think that like there are subtle things like one thing and I'll say this without shame mm-hmm. six buzz anytime, and I'm brown, right? So I'll say this as a brown guy anytime there's like a brown guy with an accent, it does, they could literally be from God knows where, Germany, mm-hmm. for like I don't know, wherever. They will always, always tag Brampton. I've never stepped foot in Brampton, I've never even seen the welcome to Brampton sign in person, but I know for a fact that creates it's called conditioning, right? That's yeah. psychology. 100. I got a B-minus in. But I remember conditioning, right? Making people believe something slowly over time. Yeah. And then you... Like, that's how you introduce the idea. And that's what leads to, like, stereotyping. And I don't like six buzz for that. Um, a lot of racial undertones. Yeah. A lot. A lot. A lot. Like... Like, uh, coronavirus. That's still a thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm from the border of Markham and Scarborough. And Markham has a lot of Asian... A group of, like, hell Asian people. Yeah. Me too. Um, Yeah. Markham. Yeah. Right? But... All of a sudden, anything to do with Chinese people was being tagged on 6Buzz, Markham, Markham. And I remember when coronavirus like, first came out, like broke the news because uh, World Health Organization at first didn't deem it a crisis, like international mm-hmm. outbreak. And then now they're like, oh, it's an oh, epidemic. They're like, now it's an epidemic. All of a sudden, they were like, the most dangerous place in Toronto it was like Markham or in Canada was like Markham. And it was didn't like,
0: help that we had, I think...
1: Was definitely one person was based in Markham. That I actually, think like, Richmond Hill. Three? Yeah, like, whole oh, like in York Region. But like, like, come on, like you guys know the narrative that you guys are pushing. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I refuse to believe you guys created this literally the biggest Instagram page, social media page in Canada. I refuse to believe that you don't know the narrative that you're creating. Mm-hmm. Right, that's my issue too. I mean, yeah. You'll
0: see two posts that are such conflicting mm-hmm. ideologies combined together, and they're just like, we're just trying to have fun. That's why that's my one issue with Six buzz is like they produce a lot of content that I'm not proud of as a Torontonian. Torontonian,
1: right? Because you want to rep your city, you want to love your city, right? But people just see it as like com- competition and like self hate. Mm-hmm. Because growing up, like I hated the fact that I was brown, hated it. Like mm-hmm. I wished I was either white or black. Like I wished it because. Like white people get love in the in the media, black people got love on like sports and I I gonna play ball and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And brown people, like in high school, that's what I was bullied for in high school, was the fact that I was brown. The insult, one guy to this day, I'll never forgive him. The insult was just you're Sri Lankan. Right. I'm I'm I have like a little other mix in me, but I'm mostly Sri Lankan. Mm-hmm. And the insult was just like, Oh look, you're Sri Lankan. And then everyone would start laughing. And I didn't get it. Like I didn't get why that was so funny. Yeah. And it made me really like foster this like self-hate that i didn't truly understand or even comprehend until i dated like my first girlfriend Mm -hmm. the dominican girl because she was like uh she was like so into my culture and i distanced myself from my culture like so heavily like i like the term is whitewashed Mm -hmm. i'm as whitewashed as they come on purpose and now i'm like fighting to find a culture that i never got to experience you know mm-hmm. that's why even like for me to come in an interview and say like yeah like where would i take these guys like bombay roti like i would have literally laughed at myself if i said that at like 15 you know mm-hmm. i don't care culture is beautiful like differences are beautiful there's this dude bro oh my god i forgot his name but he was actually mexican at boston university and he was uh right wing and they gave him a like, a platform to speak. Like, it's a university. You're allowed mm-hmm. to have, a de- like, an open debate. And he said, quote, multiculturalism is cancer. That's what he said at Boston University, right? Nick Fuentes, that's his name. Yeah, terrible guy. But I hated that. And I hate that, like, I even felt that, like, at a time in my life mm-hmm. that I was so ashamed. And I think if there's one thing I could do or I would do if I was, like, you know, a page, like, someone that was running a page... I would want to create a narrative, like foster community based on love. Mm -hmm. Right. Not to sound like super soft or anything, but like at one point, like Savant Lou, it means like experienced wolf. Right. And I wanted to, uh, there's multiple meanings to it, but it means experienced wolf. That's a French translation. Mm -hmm. And I wanted my fans to be called the pack, like a wolf pack. I, yeah, sure. Corny, whatever. But like, I wanted to be like, you know, like you're running with the pack and the pack could be anyone that's the beauty in it you know what I mean like it could be anyone you could be from anywhere you could come from literally any background and it doesn't matter like if you like want to believe in the ideology or something resonated with you like you belong you know what I mean and I was Mm -hmm. a kid that didn't belong oh and like a lot of different circles um I was the wrong race like I spoke too white sometimes or you know different things but I always wanted to belong and I'm finally finding a space at 22 years old where I do belong with my friends. And I want to create that community for those that don't belong.
0: That's beautiful, man. I don't even think that sounds soft. I think that sounds stronger than anything. That sounds hard, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
1: appreciate you. Appreciate you. <laughs> but
0: no, I, I, man, I think that deserves a lot of credit. You know, I think you can get pretty divisive, especially where it seemed to be in such a divisive time right now, mm-hmm. just in terms of politics and everything. Like it it annoys me to my core. I want to create spaces for humans to share their fears and and vulnerabilities in in more safe places and and are able to connect in that way. And like that, I think is more of my life mission. It's to bring people together because you never really know, you know, to me, someone could be a Republican because they grew up in a rural area and they never had connections with you mm-hmm. know, they maybe they've never had a black friend who sure. they could understand the struggles of facing racism from cops. So it's like you're so disconnected from that issue, why do you care? Like, or if that's all you see on the media of you know, that culture, that image of of African Americans or immigrants, obviously you're gonna be like, These people suck, get them out of my country, right? And like that is such a dangerous way to think, which is why the the development of metropolitans and, and cities have actually helped in a lot of ways, create more social beliefs. It brings people together to experience different cultures.
1: And you have a thought? Yeah. I was going to say I somewhat disagree. In terms of the cities or? Yes. Yeah. Because I've watched in America, specifically, mm-hmm. again, in Boston. Yes. In New York. Yeah. Haven't really been anywhere else to like really take in demographics and like where people live and stuff. But like I noticed a lot of, I don't know what the term is, but I called it self-segregation because- mm-hmm. We were going from Highbridge to, like, Soho, I think. Because we were going to the babe store. Mm-hmm. And we watched the entire train go from me being the lightest person on the train to then me being amongst the, the darkest people. Like, was my ex and then her family, like, her siblings and stuff. But then we were the darkest people on the train. And they had to tell me, like, yeah, like, this, this one train, I can't remember the line or whatever, but this train is, like, you'll watch. Like, you can see the difference in, like, each stop is, like, more colored people will get off and Mm -hmm. then more white people will get on. And it's so weird because, like, in Canada, we grew up with everyone. Like, school, I went with everyone. Mm -hmm. Church, I went with everyone. Like, there was never, like, there was never, like, this is just white people. This is just black people. This is Mm -hmm. just brown people. You know, everyone. But in the States, it's not. I've found it to be, in certain cities, just not the same. Especially in parties. More gentrified. Sorry? More gentrified? Like, in more gentrified areas?
0: Yeah. Like, it would be, like... Even though there's a city, there's white people in this area, black people in this area, so there's segregation. Like, is that what you mean by self segregation, or
1: like, but they do it to themselves. Like, yeah, like okay. okay. So like, I studied race and politics in Boston. That was one of the last courses I took at BU, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and we learned about like redlining, HLOC, stuff like that, um, which is essentially like some people are segregated because it they were segregation before, and they weren't allowed. They, like, they, not allowed, they just haven't been able to get the resources to buy themselves out of, like, Mm -hmm. the housing that they're in currently or whatever. Because median wealth, I think, in an African-American household was something, like, it was, like, a ridiculous number. It was, like, $9 or something Mm -hmm. versus, like, the tens of thousands in, like, a white Caucasian American household. And so, like, that leads to, like, lack of generational wealth and stuff like that, whatever. But at the same time, like, people do live in, like, white areas and, like, or, like, I don't know. Even immigrants, like I didn't live on that little border of like Kennedy and Steeles by accident. Like, there's a lot of brown people there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But there's not just brown people, and I think that's the beauty that you'll find in Canada that you don't really find everywhere else.
0: That makes sense. I'll take your your word for that. Those different experiences. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, one of the questions I really wanted to know in your uh, journey as being an artist mm-hmm. is it lonely? or
1: have you found a crew interesting um what like by crew you mean like people that are like also doing music or like just my friends
0: i guess i guess lonely in in terms of you know going through a creative process of trying to be the best doing the competition you know kind of what you mentioned or alluded to earlier Uh, i see like do you ever find it hard to continue do you find it like no one understands you in your process like because, you know, sometimes people will come up and they'll be like, even though I had people around me, it was super lonely in my head or I never
1: really felt enough support. Like, do you? I think, okay, so like recently, like my best friends. So I got Arv and then my boys from high school. So Arv and Matthew DeWy, we used to play ball together. And then I got, I don't know what to call him. I'm calling call him Vino. Uh, I got Joey. And then I got, I don't know if I should use a real name. I'll call him Pusher, whatever. Mm-hmm. So them three and then Arv. And... They are the only ones that I told everything about music to. Like, I have my boys in Boston, like, Amon, Edward, Pre, Neil, and stuff. But my boys in Toronto, like, I showed them everything. Because, like, like, we all didn't, like, have the same experiences and stuff. But we all wanted to see this music thing come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Like, when I first got serious about it, like, Joey was in my crib. We were in the basement. And I literally, I had this album, which I might, I'll probably never release. I've never recorded it. But it's all written. I have all the beats. And I just performed every track for him live. It was, like, I think, like, 12 tracks. Mm -hmm. Like, back to back to back. And he was, like, yo, like, this is sick. And after that, like, we kept going. But I wasn't showing them everything. Like, I had plans. I had calendars, like, dates, what I wanted to do. And I don't know. Sometimes they just think, like, well, like, this guy's just, like, talking. You know, like, he's not really on it. Like, he doesn't really have a plan. He's just, like, saying he does music and stuff. And to, like, the outside perspective, like, for them, like, probably did look like that. Mm Because I wasn't sharing anything. But now, like recently so we just filmed the video for this track called don't hit me up and then we spoke again we reconvened that was friday we reconvened on sunday we just spoke about everything just like our group like what's going on we're like you know what for now just like fully be transparent with one another joey has a company i don't know which direction it's gonna go in but it's like it's a sick idea which wherever he takes it like it'll flourish but it's called uh second saints Mm -hmm. yeah shout out to second saints but yeah like me and him are gonna try to you know just grow that with music and see where that goes our boys are with us you know like we show like i don't do anything by myself anymore i was at the time like but now like if i have a track like i'll send them like the raw like the voice note i'll send mm-hmm. them like what it sounds like before any editing and they'll, they'll tell me like you know this is this is not the ones or you this is hard like even yesterday we got in um what i call him Vino. he has he has a lot of names i call him a lot of different names yeah but yeah we got his whip yesterday and we were just bumping tracks and then I bumped, like, one of the beats I was, like, not. And then I sang over it, like, while we are just driving. And they're, like, yo, this is sick. And it's, like, moments like that because I know, like, intrinsically when something is sick, you know? Mm-hmm. But to hear from your friends who also, like, if you don't only listen to, like, British, only British tracks. Like, that okay. guy loves England. Like, if there's one thing I want to do for him in this life, it's just take that out of London. Like, just do, like, go, drop him in London, do whatever he wants. Yeah. Joey listens to you everything. he watched Top Boy? Yeah, He watches, like, bro, like, like, bro, like, he knows everything that's going on in London. I don't know how. Yeah. But, like, this guy, like, he always, he listens to GRM Daily and, like, a bunch of other YouTube pages that just post a bunch of, like, like, London, UK rappers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's just heavy on it. But it's cool because they all have different perspectives. But for them, from each of their different perspectives to come back and tell me, okay, your song, this one is actually sick, that means something to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, in terms of loneliness, I did feel lonely in the beginning, but after, like, what is that, like, two and a half weeks ago, like, being just fully transparent, like, I've laid out my entire blueprint for these guys, like, this date, this video, like, this is how much we're paying. Like, every single, to the T, they know everything. Like, I have a good team. I think, like, I'm not lonely in it, mm-hmm. you know? So, but I think it's important if you are starting out music to find those guys, even if it's just guys that have no idea, just like you, about music. Like, you're just hopping in and you're just like, mm-hmm. we're just going to give this a go. I think, like, it's important to have a support system. Yeah. Um. And at least guys, I think mean, they can tell you, like, this is good or this is bad. Like, it's all you need, I feel.
0: Yeah. Was there any time that was, like, super discouraging that you're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to get out of this? Get out of? Like, just a funk or, or you don't think you're actually going to, like, reach where you want to go? Is like, ever been that moment?
1: Yeah. I, uh... Okay. What's his name? Amine. Have you ever heard... Or Amine? I love you, Amine. I don't know how to actually pronounce his name, but I know he's gone on the record saying, like, people all the time, like, mispronounce his name. So, mm-hmm. like, my bad. But... He performed for the first time. We had our first spring concert. So universities Mm -hmm. have spring concerts in the States. My first spring concert I ever saw was Lil Uzi at Brandeis. Sick concert. But they got a meeting for BU because we have a big, like, hubbusha population and he's Mm hubbusha. But I wanted to open. And... I performed. I thought I killed it um in the audition. Like again, like what you think and what is reality is two different things sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was sick, But I didn't have any social following. I still don't have a social following. Um had no fans. Now I have like a handful, but I had like no clout. That's the word, right? Mm-hmm. Clout. But this one guy had like a little bit of clout. I thought he made like, you know, ball music, but you know, not here or there. But he got to open, you not know I me. Mean? Yeah. And I was like, bro, I suck. Like, I couldn't be this guy. Like, like there's guys in the NBA that are like, I can't remember who, but some guy came out and he was like, I knew I could get to the NBA when I saw this other guy in the NBA. Because I'm like, I'm better than this guy. Mm-hmm. And if he's in the NBA, then I can be in the NBA. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was, I was weighing myself like that. But my music the quality wasn't, like the production quality wasn't there. It wasn't catchy. I was doing too much messages, not enough melodies, stuff like mm. that. So I took that year off. As I said, I took a year off not off music but off of just dropping stuff just to learn so like now as you said when you when you listen to music you just like listen to it mm-hmm. so I'll tell you what I listen to what I listen for I'll listen for uh rhythmic patterns and the percussion I'll listen to how the bass goes the chord progressions the rhythm or the flow of like the guy's vocals like does he choose to be like super staccato which is like 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 that or does he like flow it you know like there's different there's different different things I'm listening to study right so that's why i'm constantly listening all the time and or sometimes i'm just listening for fun like i got a noise complaint in my apartment before i left cuz i was just like banging j Chris's track mm-hmm. cuz i just think it's fire spooky fire track but like you know that's why i always listen to music but yeah i don't i don't know how i just like i don't know but yeah
0: no i i think it's really important in the creative process cuz like even for me as i was starting this podcast it was like you don't have many listeners. So then people ask you, Oh, how many listeners do you have? And I'll be like, Oh, I you know, I have like thirty-five listeners mm-hmm. average. And they're like then they sometimes they'll say a snarky comment I'm like, Oh, like that's not that much, or oh, that's a decent amount. And it's like, oh, like they just kind of diminish
1: Yeah, your or like Patreon right? and be like, yeah. Oh like good for you, man. Yeah, like, oh, I hate that. And then, or yeah, I've
0: had a lot of friends come up to me and be like Oh, hey, Luke. Oh, I've never listened to your podcast. Like, I haven't listened to your podcast yet. Just mm-hmm. give me some give more time. I'm like, you don't have to announce to me that you don't listen to my podcast. You can just not say anything. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you if you listen to my podcast. You can just mention it if you want to. But like, it's it's just really, and like that, they don't, it's hard sometimes to move past those those thoughts. And like, if you don't have, you know, on Spotify, we'll show less than a thousand listens or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Even that could be discouraging. 100%. So, like, I'm almost at a thousand total listens for all across, like, all 16 episodes I've done. Oh, okay. okay. Like, so, but I, I just tell people, like, you know, I, I just don't care about my the number of listeners because if I care, I'll stop. And so I I more think about the future of what will be mm-hmm. rather than what is now. Mm-hmm. So what are your future goals for your for mu- your musical career?
1: It's always nice to be recognized by other people. The Academy, you know, mm-hmm. people like that get it. Like, physical trophies. I love trophies. But I don't think that's what I want. Like, like intrinsically. Like, what'll mm-hmm. quench me? Like, you know my soul. Yeah. I think I just want people to feel like they belong. Like how I said earlier. Part of the pack. Part of the pack. Because I was that kid. Like, so me and Joey are very, very similar. My boy that's doing Psychic Saints. And we spoke when they were on the bus. And we were like, yo, like, why do we always... Like, we always want to, like, be nice to people. And always just, like... I mean, it sounds super conceited, but Mm -hmm. like just, why are we extra nice? Go out of our way to be nice to people. Mm -hmm. It's because, yo, we were both little kids that like people were not nice to, you know, and didn't belong. And now that we're in like the privileged position and we get to dictate some scenarios, we would like everyone to belong. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That's my goal. Whenever I send music to people, I always will end by saying like, I hope this resonates with you. There's just so much power in music resonating with someone. You can hear it, you can listen, but, like, did it really, like, hit your soul? Whether it was a vibe or what I said, that's what I want. On a mass scale, obviously, like, I genuinely don't care about the money. If I could even just make, like, a living wage, just, like, enough to, like, pay my bills and pay for the studio. So, like, I don't have to keep working, like, this dead-end job, you know? Mm-hmm. And just, like, kill myself mentally and physically. That'd be great. But I love music. People have told me I just get so excited speaking about my own music. mm mm-hmm but I I genuinely love it. So if it's something that I could do and like help people and spread messages with, by all means, like that's what I want in terms of goals and to grow as a human being because I feel like you never really stop growing. Mm -hmm. And if you have stopped growing, like you're already dead in the water. You know, stagnation is synonymous to death Mm -hmm. for me and for everyone. Yeah. So as long as I'm still growing and still becoming like the person I'm meant to be, you know, whoever God has chosen for me to be, then I think I'm good. You know? yeah and as long as people feel like they belong then like i'm doing my job right
0: i think that's a good way to end that part of the conversation yeah before we, like, that's a really good close but then i always ask my three final questions sure so the first one is what is something that your father or you know someone in your life told you that uh carries you through to this day like mm. you just live with all the time and it's like a core piece of advice
1: core piece of advice my father's done a lot of good for me in terms of just like building me up as a man but i'm gonna say my mother my mother told me a few months ago she didn't say it with uh, music in mind she said it she was talking about just life because life for me right now is not going too hot just with this job and you know you get depressed sometimes and all that but she looked at me and she was like you know like i believe you can make it like i believe it like mm-hmm. you know like she didn't come and struggle from Sri Lanka for me to just, like, flop. And if she thought I was a flop, like, she would tell me, you know, like, you're doing your best. Or this is good for you. Mm-hmm. But she sees it in me. She sees something that I can't see. And she said, you know, like, I know you can make it. Like, I know you have it in you. And she prays for me, you know, like, everything. That's what that's what keeps me going. Just my mom. But that piece of advice has definitely, like, fueled me to go that much harder in terms of the effort and, the like, what I'm willing to sacrifice Validation
0: matters Um, so much, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Especially from, like, parents. like Especially from brown parents who don't care about art or don't... Not don't care. They don't understand. Yeah. Right? So, for my parents, they don't understand. If it makes me money, like my dad said, if it puts food on the table, sick. But if it doesn't, like, bro, like, I actually only have a year to do music. That's what my parents have said. Like, I just have the year. And then, uh, if not, like, I'm going back to school or something. Like, something that I'm going to get locked into that I'm going to hate. Mm-hmm. So, that also fuels me, you know, like, if I only have 365 days, every day counts, right? Mm-hmm. I need to make every single mark hit, and I need to do it, like, to the best of my ability. So, that's what keeps me going. But, yeah. We're going to make your song blow up then.
0: All right, Imperfect listeners? That's I, <laughs> yeah,
1: I really hope so, man. Uh, It's not about blowing up. I think, don't hit me up, man. It's about you're having a tough time. I'm not saying run from your problems all the time, but the chorus literally says I got to run from my problems. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you need just a, like to take a step back, yeah. right? It's just for that moment in which you do take a step back, recoup, you know, go crazy, and then come back to deal with the problem. But it's for that night where you're just like, just leave me alone for right now. Like I just need to focus on me. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm currently at, you know? Just as a person. Like, I'm just focusing on me. That's sick. Yeah. Oh,
0: there's a book I'm reading right now, or a couple of books I'm reading, but uh, almost... All of them have talked about how important validation from your loved ones, especially like your, your parents, your mom, your dad matter to you in your, in your long-term efforts of becoming greater Mm -hmm. and like how much that little psychology shift, what it does for you and getting recognized and and believing in yourself. And I feel like I've got that at moments in my life and haven't gotten that moments in my life, but I don't think my parents have always said to me, like, I have the potential to to do great things mm-hmm. my dad prophesied that i'll be a prophet say yeah so okay i'm like i don't know what that means but i i do believe that that this podcast will become something yeah and like i believe that in my heart like i i believe in in the law of uh attraction mm-hmm. and like writing down goals like i wrote down that i want to get terry cruz like trevor noah steph curry on on this podcast and i believe it will happen damn i'm like i've got an ex-nfl player coming on Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, you you never know who's connected to who, right? Like, it was just this one little call I had with this guy from LinkedIn, and he was like, yeah, dude, is there anything I can do for you? And then he's like, anyone I can connect you with? And I was like, you know, I don't know. He's like, I got two people that I got in mind, Mm -hmm. so I'm just going to connect them to you anyways. And one's the next NFL player. That's sick. There you go. But um, next question I have for you is, what is one piece of advice you wish you received from your parents or from a mentor in your life?
1: I don't think I wish I received anything. I think the way things unfolded for me was, like, the way it was meant to, you know? But if there was something that could have been said for me to live an easier life, like, less, you know, angst and stuff, it's just, like, don't be afraid to be yourself, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I went to BU, Boston University, and people always say, like, just be you, like, super corny. Like, I hate, like, those guys are ones. Cheesy. But, yeah, like, I wish I could have just, like, been myself, like, more organically more authentically because there were so many times where like i wouldn't play my rock music or whatever in front of like my friends you know because they they for like some of them they only listen to like i don't know like rap right Mm -hmm. so they didn't like rock but now like i unapologetically will put on rock and they will just be like ah like this sucks but like they Mm -hmm. will tolerate it and they know like i like it you know and to them it's just like another part of my persona that like they're i'm allowing them to see and i wish mm-hmm. i'd been more open with my entire like all facets of my personality from an earlier stage
0: are you excited for kendrick lamar's like rock inspired album
1: i didn't i didn't even know he was doing that to be honest okay tj said apparently that. apparently he's making
0: i apparently that's the rumors that that's happening and then the last question i have for you is what is one piece of advice or the one piece of advice that you want to pass down to
1: future generations damn that's the heaviest questions i i want to be like yo don't be afraid, you know, because mm-hmm. there's so many things in life that will scare you. And I'm talking about scared in the sense of like you're scared to take a jump. You're scared mm-hmm. to, you know, quit your job to do like whatever, you know, to do like your passion. Like I'm not using my degree right now at all. That's not a good thing to say. But I'm not using my degree at all right now because I'm focusing on music. Mm-hmm. And I'm that's my passion. That's what I want to do. And if it doesn't work out, that's my backup plan. Mm-hmm. I went four years for a degree. As a backup. Some people don't. Some people will drop out with the... Uh, like, their ideas are already set. Foundation already set. They're good to go. But don't be afraid. Like, set yourself up to be successful, even if it flops. Mm-hmm. But don't be afraid to take that jump. Now, mind you, some people just jump. I can speak on music. Some people, like on SoundCloud and stuff, will just jump at the music and just be terrible. Like, they, mm-hmm. they don't know when they're off-key. They can't flow. This and that. Whatever. But I think you need to also be able to take critiques and take outside perspectives and not even with a grain of salt. Like, cause some people will get like uh negative comments or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, Oh, these are just haters. Like these guys are just, they just are trolls. And like, no, man, sometimes you're just bad. Sometimes you're just not very good at it. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to be in the NBA, right? I'm five foot nine. Don't have crazy vertical, you know, no bunnies, mm-hmm. nothing like that. So that probably wasn't going to happen, you know? But, um, it was fun while it lasted and now I'm moving on to something else. But when people would tell me, like, you know, I'm going to be in the NBA, I'd be like, like, when I was really little, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, ah, oh, man, like, whatever. But then you start to see it yourself. Like, mm-hmm. you see guys all of a sudden, like, guys are suddenly, like, I remember the first time I saw a guy, like, when we were kids and he was, like, already six five, and he's in grade 8. And I was like, what? Like, what? Like, you know, I can't even explain that, you know? Mm-hmm. But there are differences. And, like, you will be better at some things and you will be worse at other things. Don't be afraid to try stuff. And don't be afraid to just like focus on what you love, but also just don't listen to other people like that want to deter you from trying. Mm -hmm. Once you've tried, you will see for yourself and then you'll know intrinsically in your heart, in your soul. Okay. What's going to happen, but just try. That's what I say.
0: It's dope, man. Say, that's it. I think, uh, think you dropped a lot of wisdom on this episode and I'm, uh, very excited for people to, to listen, but, uh, Savant Lou, the pack or the what is it? What was it? uh Experienced wolf?
1: It means experienced wolf. I'll give you a quick, real quick. Yeah. Savon Lou. The French is to represent Canada. It means experienced wolf, learned or experienced wolf. And then SL, Savon Lou is for Sri Lanka. That's all of it. That's my whole name. Damn. All right. There you go. Well,
0: Savon Lou, thank you so much for joining. There you go. Now you're going to listen to the full track. So this is Savon Lou. Don't hit me up. There we go.
2: Yeah, I gotta run for my problems, I'm tryna have some fun with my dollars If I gotta go down in my wallet, that's a price of gold, All club bottles, fuck it, we going full throttle All the good, die, young, who's your role models All the good, die, young, who's your role models In the club geekin', busy lockin' eyes with all my demons Shorty shaking ass like it's a princess So, Lucy, now I don't feel away. Didn't choose the issues, there's too much on my plate. Don't be hitting on my phone and tell me you are on the way tonight. tonight. Yeah, I gotta run my. From- There's too much on my plate. Don't be hitting on my phone. and tell me you are on the way tonight. Yeah, I got to run for my problems. I'm trying to have some fun with my dollars. If I got to go down my wallet, that's the best to go now. Yeah, I got to run.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been your host, Luke West, with his guest, Savon Lou. You can find them on IG at Savant Lou and on Spotify at Savant Lou, and on Apple Music at Savant Lou. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review on iTunes or or message me on IG at The Imperfect Pod or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear what you have to say and what you learn, and let's build a world of intentional and purposeful conversations. Talk to you all soon.